Blessed greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tune-Up with Pastor Shirley Johnson. It is hard to believe that we are at the last lesson for our June summer series, The Power of God's Word. I cannot emphasize enough the blessing in reviewing these messages or going back to listen to any of the ones that you may have missed. I have certainly been reinvigorated by gaining a more comprehensive understanding of the Word of God, and I'm confident that you will too. During the month of June, we learn that God is His Word. We must only speak what God speaks. God's Word is our trusted source, and today we will close out with the discovery that God's Word never fails. I simply love the feedback I've been receiving on the creativity people are using in studying these lessons. Some couples have been using them as deep dive date night discussions. Others have been listening to the series in small groups to further unravel the layers of the Word of God, increase personal accountability, and just share Jesus together. While I've been using these lessons with the teens group that I lead to enrich and empower these young believers. Send us a message at TuesdayTuneUp1 at gmail.com and let us know how you've been using these lessons. We would love to hear from you. As I stated earlier, today we will complete the June summer series, The Power of God's Word, as we explore the concept that God's Word never fails. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. So without further ado, let's pray and prepare to get tuned up in the Word of God together. Father, in the name of Jesus, We are so humbled by your faithfulness to us. We are extremely grateful that you have given us your word to lead and guide us through this life and clear into the next. Give us wisdom and insight as we study your word together. Be in our midst and help us to find the understanding needed to live holy and pleasing lives. Let the knowledge and understanding that your word never fails restore our hearts and renew our hope for promises given but not yet delivered. In this way, our anticipation would be revitalized and our joy would remain full. Amen. Today, I want to tell you an account of three women who were proof of the unfailing word of God. The most remarkable element intertwined in these stories is the fact that each of these women were full of promise that could only come forth from the word of God. Sarah, Ruth, and Mary. Each of these women represent a type of struggle which required the power of God's word to bring their promises to term. For Sarah, it was the struggle of apparent barrenness amidst a promise from God to be the mother of nations. For Ruth, it was sacrificing the chance at marriage and a family after the death of her husband to remain with her widowed mother-in-law. Yet for Mary, it was the challenge of facing the scrutiny of others who would question her parody as well as the rejection of her fiancé to be the chosen vessel to birth our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of these women face challenging times indeed, but as recorded in 2 Samuel twenty-two nineteen, the Lord was their stay, and the word of God was their failsafe. God loved Abraham and Sarah, formerly Abram and Sarai, and had great plans and a great promise for their lives. In fact, it would not be a stretch to say that God and Abraham were best friends. In Genesis 18, we watch God reveal his plans to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and even allow Abraham to negotiate with him to spare the Twin Cities. Further evidence of the closeness of their relationship is seen in James 2, 23, which remarks, And the scriptures were fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. 
Abraham loved God and trusted his instruction. So when God told him to leave the place where he had moved with his father, he obeyed. Genesis 12, one through four states, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. What a powerful promise from God to be the mother of nations. And yet Sarah is still barren, or is she? Genesis 12, four makes us aware that Sarah was 65 years old at the time when God gave her husband Abraham the promise of becoming the father of nations. However, 10 years had passed at this point. Many would say that Sarah was still barren, but we know the power of God's word is that it creates the moment it is spoken. Therefore, even though she had not yet conceived, she was no longer barren. All the same, after waiting over 10 years for the fulfillment of the promise, Sarah's faith was waning, and like many of us, she decided to take matters into our own hands. Genesis 16, 1-4 reads, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai's wife took an Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Hagar didn't get pregnant, did get pregnant and birthed Ishmael. But he was not the promise of God. A promise according to Genesis 21.5 was another 15 years away. But God's word never fails. Even if it takes two years, or in Sarah's case, 25 years, God's word will accomplish what it sets out to do. Before we get all self-righteous about Sarah's actions, let's reflect over our own lives. How well did we do the last time God decided to stretch our faith by allowing great time between the sharing of the promise and the fulfilling of it? God must allow time to stretch us and shape us if we're going to properly handle the blessing that he's entrusting to us. Sarah erred in her judgment and she allowed time to wear her down. He wore down her faith, not only in her in, in God's ability, but also in his desire to produce life out of her quote-unquote dead womb. Yet God's word failed not. Genesis 17, 15 through 16, as well as 19 and 21, reminds us that the promise is fulfilled just as it was spoken 25 years prior. God also said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abram fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at 90? Abram asked God for a blessing for Ishmael. And then God said, yes, but your wife, Sarah, 
will bear a son and you will call him Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. The time delay made Sarah question God's promise. And in fact, 18, Genesis 18, 13 through 14 states, when the angel came to announce the birth of their son, Sarah laughed almost in disbelief at the notion because she was 90 years old. However, according to 20, Genesis 21 and 6, Sarah would laugh again when she witnessed the unfailing word of God unveiled at the birth of her precious Isaac. Let Sarah's miracle be an encouragement to you that despite time, God's word never fails. Ruth is another heroine full of character and challenge. Ruth's story opens in Ruth 1 with the death of her husband, her father-in-law, and her brother-in-law. Suddenly, there are three widowed women, alone and hopeless. Ruth finds herself struggling in a foreign land along with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and her sister-in-law, Oprah, after the deaths of their husbands. Out of love and concern, her daughter-in-laws encourage Naomi to stay. They wanted to remain with her and return to home, her home. But Naomi told them, go back to their mother's home in hopes that they might remarry and build a new family. While the separation grieved all the women, Naomi knows that this is the best option for these two young women. After much convincing, Oprah agrees and parts way. However, Ruth refuses to leave her mother-in-law alone, insisting to return to her home with her. Ruth 1.15 reads, Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If even death separates you, and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Once they returned to Bethlehem, Ruth became somewhat of a scavenger, picking up any leftover grain from anyone who would allow it. Ruth sacrificed everything to be a loving support to Naomi, a chance for a spouse, children, the ability to rear her own family, or did she? Ruth's life is so powerful because it is a true reminder that God always has a plan. Just as Romans 8, 28 reiterates, God is always working out everything for our good because we love him and we are called according to his purposes. Ruth 2, 3 through 8 reads, So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseers of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained there from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in any other field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. 
When Ruth inquires of Boaz why he's showing her such favor, he explains that he heard of her kindness to Naomi and her willingness to dwell in a foreign land to help her mother-in-law and, and blessed her. He allowed her to eat and work alongside the women who worked for him. This was just the beginning of Ruth's rise from the ashes. She continued to gain his favor to the point that Boaz instructed his men to let her gather uninterrupted among the sheaves and to even leave out extra stalks for her, which enabled her to gather approximately a bushel of grain overall. James 1.27 states, Religion that God and, the, and our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Ruth could have gone back home to her people and found a family there, but she kept God's word to look after this widow. Ruth's love and care for Naomi, a widow woman, positioned her in a way that made it impossible for God not to bless her. The word of God was unfailing in Ruth's life, and this was just the beginning. What seemed like a hopeless plan in returning home with Naomi was a setup for the fullness of God's word to be unfolded in her life. Ruth was satisfied with merely being a support to Naomi, but God had total restoration in mind. The unfailing word of Psalms 23, 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever was engulfing Ruth's life. God's word never fails and Ruth found herself smack dab in the middle of Philippians 4, 19. And I love the way the Amplified reads on this. And my God will liberally supply Fill to the full your every need according to his riches and glory and Christ Jesus. Ultimately, Boaz married Ruth and she bore him a son, Obed, who would become the grandfather of King David and in direct lineage of Jesus Christ. This transitions us nicely into a life account of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Luke 1, 26 through 34 lays out the events that precede the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. How will this be? Mary asked the angels, since I am a virgin. So there's quite a bit to unpack in Mary's story. She's a young virgin. This is so important that the scripture reiterates it because God could only bring a perfect sacrifice through an unblemished vessel. In addition to being a virgin, she's also engaged to a well-respected carpenter with strong family ties. Then to complicate matters, she is now receiving this visit from Gabriel, telling her that she is pregnant and will have a child even though she's never been with a man. Oh, and that she's highly favored of the Lord, so there's nothing to fear. Just to provide a bit of context to Mary's story. Mary was not born in 2022. She was not born during a time when people looked the other way when a virgin girl who was engaged just popped up pregnant. 
Mary lived during a time when people were humiliated, ostracized, and sometimes stoned for lesser offenses. There was certainly a reason to fear, and favor never looked so unfavorable. After all, her circumstances when held against the customs and the culture of her day would have brought shame, rejection, and persecution. Historians approximate Mary's, approximate Mary's age to be between 12 and 16 years old based on the traditions of the day surrounding the ages when young girls were promised or engaged, betrothed. And any woman engaged coming up pregnant out of nowhere would find herself in an awkward position to say the least. With the loss of her fiancé at risk and an unknown pregnancy to explain, feeling overwhelmed was most likely the understatement of her error. Was hope diverted? Was her future lost? Not at all. The never failing word of God would be her refuge and her strength. God's word never fails. The unfailing word of favor on Mary's life that honored her with becoming the savior, the mother of the savior of the world was fulfilled. And in complete and finished work on the cross, the angel responds to Mary, her, her question of how in Luke 1, 35 through 38. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will call, be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was one who said was said to be unable to conceive. And she is in her sixth month. Listen to the words in verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled unto me. Just like Mary, our response to the word of God must be, Lord, let your word unto me be fulfilled. What do these three women have to do with the word of God? These women prove Luke 137, for the word of God will never fail. They prove that surrendering to God's purpose and plan through obedience is essential to witnessing the unfailing power of God's word alive in your life and in your circumstances. They are proof positive that time is no match for the fulfillment of God's word, which is important because time is one of the most common factors that cause doubt to form and wrong speaking, hindering God's word to produce in our lives. In 2007, God gave me a special word over my life, and because he knows exactly how I'm wired, he further instructed me, do not get caught up in time. He lovingly sealed his promise with the unfailing word of Numbers 23:19, And I read it today in the King James Version because that's exactly how he spoke it to me. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken? And shall he not make it good? In the early years after receiving this promise, I would often allow my mind to wonder on when it would happen or how he would do it, who might he use to bring it to pass. While I still excitedly await the fulfillment of this promise of the Lord these 15 years later, I do so much differently than I had in the past. My heart and my mind live it out in boundless anticipation, complete confidence, and great expectancy. Not worried, not anxious. I reflect less on the when and instead prefer to daydream about the countless and unimaginable ways the Lord will blow my mind through his never failing word. Today, I do not dare to attempt to manipulate the plan of God concerning this promise or, or help him with his planning for my life. 
No, today I desire the word to be performed in its purest form, the way God intended it to be. I relate to King David in 2 Samuel 7, 20 through 21 and 25 regarding my promise from the Lord and personalize this passage of scripture as a declaration over his promise to me. What more can surely say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. And now, Lord, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant in our house. Do as you promised. The reality that God's word never fail encourages me that like Sarah, even if it takes 25 years, it will happen and my joy and laughter will still be present when it comes to pass. If I must return home empty-handed like Ruth, I will take no concern, for provision shall await me. Moreover, I am confident that, that the power of God's word to me, just as it was for Mary, will be stronger than fear and will drape me in favor. God's word never fails. His word did not fail Sarah. His word did not fail Ruth. His word did not fail Mary. His word has not failed me, and his word will not fail you. Have patience. Trust in God. Do not relent or give up on it. Do not get caught up in time. The word of God's timing will be perfectly ripened for the light for your life in the right season. When the unfailing word of God is accomplished in your life, you will be full of laughter, positioned for provision, and graced with favor. So what promise of God have you been waiting to see fulfilled? Grab hold to God's word on it because his word because he is his word. Speak it over your life. When delays occur, remember his word is our trusted source. Do not wait to rejoice over your victory because it is destined to happen. His word never fails. My God, didn't we experience the power of the living word today? What an opportune segue into our invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Accepting Jesus as your Lord and savior opens you up to every benefit of the kingdom of heaven, Salvation, which is eternal life, healing, deliverance, love, joy, peace, freedom, provision, and favor. At the same time, Jesus came to give you life more abundantly while you navigate through this earthly life. We would be completely negligent if we failed to invite any listener who does not have a relationship with Christ to join the family of God. Every Tuesday tune-up is designed for this very moment that someone might come to know Jesus as Lord and grow their relationship to a more consistent and deeper place. Therefore, if you are joining us today and you have not accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior but would like to, this is your moment to become a child of the Most High God. And we want to extend this opportunity to you. This is the most important decision of your life. Tomorrow is not promised to anyone, and the only time we have available to us is this present moment. If you desire to accept Jesus today, simply repeat after me. Father, I know that I am a sinner, but right now I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, and through my confession I am saved. I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Teach me more about your love and how I can love others. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with us, please send me a message at TuesdayTuneUp1 at gmail.com. I would love to praise God with you and welcome you to the family of Christ. Be sure to get connected to a teaching church in your community where you can grow in the knowledge of God, be encouraged through Christian fellowship, and increase your faith. 
I praise God for you. And I am so excited about your amazing journey. Father, who are we, sovereign Lord, that, and what are our families that you have brought us this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, Sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of our house for your servants. And this decree, Sovereign Lord, is for mere humans. May your word be forever established in our lives. May we allow this lesson learned through these series permeate our hearts and minds for the whole of our lives. May we remain confident in the power of the word of God because you are your word. And when we speak what you speak, our lives will be transformed. Your word is our trusted source and it will never fail. Bless us this week as we saturate ourselves in your word. As we rise early to seek your face, fill us, O Lord, to the point of overflowing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Have a victoriously tuned up week and I'll see you next Tuesday.